0: So that was um, "Rivers of Babylon" by Boney M. Does anyone know what year it was released? (laughs) Objections to the sermon already? Uh, 1978. Oh. So if you don't know, if, um, if, like me, you were born after that date, um, uh, uh, Boney M were a 70s pop group based in West Germany. Their heritage was Afro-Caribbean and African. Um, as singers literally in a foreign land, this was real for them. Can you see his outfit, um, the outfit actually of a slave? They were placing themselves in the story of the Bible, and inviting others to do the same. We're in the middle of a series of talks called Home, looking at themes from the exiles of Israel and Judah, seeing how they speak to us, with some of us living in a strange land and all of us living in an increasingly strange land. If you're here today for the first time, welcome. I don't want to presume that you know the Old Testament inside out. Um, If we're honest, not all of us do. Um, So let me catch you up quickly. One of the famous kings of history, Solomon, dies, and the kingdom of Israel splits into the kingdoms of Israel in the north and Judah in the south. In 722 BC, the Assyrians come to conquer Israel in the north, and they take the Israelites off into slavery and captivity. And in 586 BC, the Babylonians came to Judah and took them off into captivity in Babylon. This week, we're with the Jews in Babylon looking at Psalm 137, and this is their song. And the words are going to come up on the screen. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Oh, we've missed a couple of verses off the end of that. Shall I, shall I see if I can find them? In... Don't worry. I've, I have actually written them out. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them Actually, it really says, dashes their heads against the rocks. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm just scanning the room. This is very definitely a talk that has a 15 certificate on it. And the scriptures probably indicate that already. Um, So I'm just scanning the room. I don't think we've got anyone under the age of 15 or you're doing... um, Uh, particularly badly this morning with your makeup. Um, So um, uh, today I want to talk to you about suffering, specifically about communal suffering and how we suffer together. So I'm not talking about individual suffering and pain. So my mum has arthritis in her back. Um, She suffers daily. You may have a similar experience of pain. Um, That type of pain, however acute, is something that affects you and the closest to you. Today, I'm going to talk about communal suffering and how we respond. Examples might be how a family, a whole family responds to a death of a loved one, or how a community of people um, relocate or whole peoples relocate from Hong Kong to the UK and to other nations, or um, from Afghanistan, or from Ukraine. Um, uh, or even um, how we talk about the losses that we endured in the pandemic. How we talk about the losses we endured in the pandemic. All the signs are that we are entering another period of suffering as a nation, with the cost of living crisis being compounded by political and economic uncertainty. So whether we have moved from another country or lived... Um, where we are for all of our lives, we are all experiencing loss. We're all suffering, and suffering is on the way. Um, I'm actually really excited about preaching this sermon, but I'm aware that right now you might not be excited about what I've got to say. Um, But um, uh, I believe God has some really important things for us to hear. So uh, this is how do we suffer loss, With others as Christians. And Psalm 137 has something to tell us about that. And the key verse is verse one, which is why I want you to remember Boney M and by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we remembered Zion. because that will help you when you think about how we suffer together. So um, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. The first thing that this Psalm teaches us is to be with to be with. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat. The Jews went through their suffering together. This wasn't a quick walk or a one-off. Their habit was to sit down together. Suffering often involves separation. I don't know if you've noticed this. Um, uh, They were often separated, the Jews, as they went into exile. So the the Babylonians came along and they took first the young men off into exile. So Daniel was probably one of those. Um, So families arrived separately into exile to enter their suffering together. Two and a half thousand years later, we also experienced collective suffering as something that separates us physically and emotionally. At the war in Ukraine and political changes in Hong Kong have separated millions of loved ones from each other. Even at a smaller scale, the death of a loved one separates you from that loved one. And other things like physical and mental illness often require hospitalization, which brings separation even more so in the context of a pandemic pandemic. And the pandemic, if we're honest, has been one big experience of separation and isolation. Suffering brings separation. Separation isn't always physical. It's sometimes emotional too. In 2004, I went to South Sudan, if we could get the map up on the screen. At the very bottom of the screen, you can see a dot. And right next to it, you probably can't see it. It says Juba. Juba. And just below that dot is a place called Lanya, and I went there in 2004. So if you, in, the, in the top left hand of the screen, you can see where Sudan is placed in the, con, in the continent of Africa. Um, my, my boss, I traveled with him, he had been a missionary in Sudan for 25 years. Um, and for most of the time that he had been there, there had been a civil war between what is now Sudan and South Sudan. Um, and it was between the Muslim Arab North and the black, largely Christian South. Before we arrived, Andy said to me, the greatest gift you can give to the people we're with is being willing to listen. Often in a civil war, people don't tell their stories because they know that everyone else has a story of suffering too. They know that everyone else has a story of suffering too. So they don't want to burden them. My task was just to be with them. And our task, as we were there together as a team, was to equip them to be with each other so they could start to listen to each other's stories. So we sat down in Sudan for two weeks. It was quite hot, so I was quite glad we were sitting down and not running around. We sat down, not just physically, but emotionally. And God changed me in those two weeks. What he did then is part of why I am resolutely committed to Christian community here in the shape of little churches as part of God's kingdom. The first step in communal suffering is to be with others. The second step is to be real with. We sat and wept. We sat and wept. They wept. They were real. Listen to these words again. There on the poplars' trees we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said... Sing us one of the songs of Zion, which is another word for the area around Jerusalem. How can we sing the Lord's song while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I don't remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did. On the day Jerusalem fell, tear it down, they cried, tear it down to its foundations. Daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes their heads against the rocks. Friends, this is anger like it probably appears nowhere, nowhere else in the Scriptures. It's unfiltered, it's visceral, it's part of a cycle of violence that has gone on in that part of the world over centuries. This is a recalling of the most painful moments of what happened before they ended up in Babylon. Now, not everyone here today is going to feel that emotion. Um, You don't need to be with people in their suffering and pretend that their suffering or your suffering is worse than it is. You just need to be real with others. In 2017, many of you know, my wife and I um, fostered some boys from Sudan over the period of the next three years. They're all from Darfur, another part of Sudan. If the, if the map comes back up again, you'll be able to see it. And they're all from a tribe called the Zahawa tribe, which is largely a, a black and Muslim tribe. And all three boys had grown up with genocide as their playground. Um, we got to know their tribe here in Bristol, about 300 of them. Uh, and we found that being sad in Islam is sinful. When we spoke to them about it, they would say, I can't be sad because that is hazin, which is haram. So it's a sin um, to be sad. They couldn't let themselves cry about what they had suffered in Sudan and in their travels here because it would be sinful before God. The net result was that they carried that pain with them everywhere they went. It was so desperately sad. In 2004, on that first trip to Sudan that I mentioned earlier, we opened up Psalm 137 with them and Lamentations 5. And we invited about 200 church leaders and their, um, uh, the Mother's Union and anyone that came we invited them to write their stories, their laments of what had happened, their version of Psalm 137 in small groups. And they all fed back in turn through their own language, and then it was translated. And you can imagine if you have about 200 people, and they're all in small groups, and they all write their lamentations, um, it, it gets quite long, and it's quite hot. And everyone's quite tired. And at the end, um, a lady from the Mother's Union stood up. And, and it was one of those moments where collectively the room went, oh no, we could be here for hours. And that's in Africa where they have lots of time. And she stood and she said, we don't need to write another lamentation because it is here in this book what they did to us. They came And they took our animals, they raped our daughters, they made us buy our water. Why would you ask us to write something that's already been written? They were with each other, and they were real. Friends, we don't have to have that level of suffering for this to work for us. Please don't sit there and say, my life isn't as bad as theirs, so I will just pipe down. I can tell you that comparison doesn't work your way out of suffering. Comparison will never help you to deal with the suffering that you are experiencing. It's not biblical. So please... Don't, as I have done, and I'm sure you have done at different points, carry on the practice of when somebody asks you about how you are, say, well, I'm not as bad as that person over there. Because that doesn't actually help you. It just suppresses what you are already feeling and tells you that you have no right to bring that before God. We have experienced a pandemic Through ministries we're engaged with, we've experienced civil war, displacement, homelessness. We, friends, need to be like the Bari people of South Sudan who wrote their laments and brought them before God and asked him to heal them, not like the Zahawa people of Sudan, Muslims who believe that their suffering cannot be brought before God. We must be real as we are with each other. By Maybe you can say it with me. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept. But not just to be real and to be with, but to be real with Jesus. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion, as I said, Zion being a name for their homeland, they believed that God was in the temple in Jerusalem. He had come with fire and cloud, and now the Babylonians had come and they had destroyed the temple. So where was God? Where was he? Where could they take their suffering and loss? There was nowhere physically to take it. When we invite you all, to place yourselves in the story of the exile. We know that we can only partially place ourselves there because we live the other side of the work of the cross and resurrection. So when we read the Old Testament, we read it through the cross and the resurrection of Christ. We don't read it as it would be read in the synagogue. So at this point, the invitation is for us to be real with Jesus, not a memory of a destroyed temple in Jerusalem. We believe that God has come to us in Jesus, that he has returned to the Father, and the Spirit has been sent to us. Do we believe that? Yes, we do. Do we believe that? Yes. So the Spirit has been sent to us. God is in us. He is between us, and he is beyond us. So the Spirit is in us. The Spirit is between us and the Spirit is beyond us. The Spirit is always ahead of the church. The church is catching up with what the Holy Spirit is doing constantly. And that means that the God of suffering is here. He was despised, rejected, a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. Jesus makes it possible for us to be real with suffering and to be real with suffering with each other. Without him or an understanding of who he is, people will just endlessly bottle it up, or spill it out, and they won't be able to stop when, once they start spilling it out, because they have nowhere to go, because there is no hope outside of him. Soon after the mother's union rep in Sudan in 2004 had, had sat down, it, it was like a, a, something broke in the room, and a man stood up and he described the moment when he um, came out of his hut to find his next door neighbor's child returning from the war. The child um, had been taken away by um, the army to fight as one of many, many child soldiers. And the child had a gun in his hand and was pointing the gun at his parents and was going to kill his parents because he felt that his parents hadn't stood up for him and hadn't made sure that he was protected in the sight of the rebel army. And the neighbor described the moment where he had to choose to go into his hut and to take a gun um, himself and um, to shoot the child rather than um, let the child shoot the parents because he knew that the parents were not going to survive and they had other children that were depending upon them. And, and he described how in that moment, um, uh, sorry, he described how he and the neighbors were reconciled in the midst of that pain. But that was the first time that that story had been told publicly. And in it being told publicly, there was healing for them because they were no longer hiding the shame of their suffering. But also it validated every other person in the room who had similar stories themselves. Until that moment, they knew it had happened, but it wasn't safe to talk about it. I can't imagine what it would be like to carry that pain around. But instead of pain and just pain, there was now healing and forgiveness. And this is where comparison does help. Because if we know that God can bring healing and forgiveness into such desperate circumstances and he can help, People who have been through such extreme suffering, then we can look upon our own situations and know that God is able to deal with ours. So we don't compare ourselves out of suffering, but we can see that God is able to deal with ours. Back in March of this year, I had COVID as the government opened up the visa scheme for Ukrainian refugees. And by the end of that week, through conversations with colleagues, we had 10 churches signed up to run welcome hubs for Ukrainian refugees. Over 500 Ukrainians have arrived in this city, and every one of them has received an invitation from Bristol City Council to a welcome hub run in a local church. I desperately want every Ukrainian refugee to have the gift of being able to be real with Jesus about their suffering. But I believe that the losses we have experienced ourselves are going to increase. And so we need to bring what we have experienced up until now before God and learn this. Um, I love you all dearly. Um, If there is one thing that we all need to learn as a church, it's this. It's how not to pretend that we're okay, but how to share when we are not with one another and to allow God into that pain and that suffering. Um, And I believe that God wants to do that in and through us so that we can then share that with others. So God needs churches, not vicars and a few keen folks, who can help people to be real with Jesus. But we can only spread this if we catch it first. We can only spread this if we catch it first. And boy, does Jesus want us to catch it. Amen.